Ryder Nation, William Powell bringing the energy, bringing the fight, bringing the fire every game day, every practice. Let's go, Ryder Nation. Johnny McKegg band. This is the Piffles podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. And we have a show for you. It's going to be a two part episode because I know someone is going to join us here and it's going to be great. So sit back, relax, enjoy this great conversation with our upcoming guest, Derek Dennis. First off, though, give us a follow on Twitter at Piffles Pod. You can give me a follow at Real Alex D. I'm Alex. Uh, I'm Steve, and you can follow me at Safamod. And I'm Greg, and don't follow me. I don't care. I, I'm 50 away from a thousand. Stay away. I don't want to hit that. I do not want to be verified ever in my life. So is that the away. only rules now to be verified? Is you have to have a thousand uh, uh, followers? That's, that's part of no. it. Uh, that's yeah. part of it. We'll get verified one day. That's Hang the, on. That's I'm going to go get verified goal. right now. That's the real goal of the Piffles Podcast. Piffles Podcast brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Check them out on Skip the Dishes. And uh, check out the website, pifflespodcast.com. We're also on Facebook. Let's get right to our guest here, Derek Dennis, the bone crusher himself, one of my favorite guests ever on the show joining us. And uh, he's got a lot to say. So uh, let's get right to it. Derek, thanks for joining us, man. I uh, appreciate you guys having me, man. So it's always a good time. man. Whenever you guys hit me up, I got to I gotta pull up. <laughs> so we all know why you're here. Let's get to the very beginning of 2021 here. <laughs> You're signing with the Edmonton Elks. First, why did you sign with the Elks in the first place? Honestly, just I signed with them for opportunity. I mean, no one knew what was going on with the season. They hit me up like late December, early January, and everything was still kind of up in the air. No one knew what was going to be what. A couple of guys were signing. Um, and I remember, it, which was crazy, I, 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 I could call myself a hypocrite because I remember like – critiquing guys for signing early saying like why are you signing now you don't really know what's going on and then the first opportunity I got I was like yeah let me do this just to make sure it's still there when I, when I wanted to count right so um it, it, that's what really transpired like I just figured hey that was the first team to call me um it had been a while I got, I got a lot of no's from a lot of teams which is odd you would think for a player of my caliber and my resume you wouldn't get too many no's but when I had free agency in 2020, I got a lot of no's. That's really the reason why I went to the XFL was just because nobody in the CFL wanted to touch me for whether it be price or whether they didn't like my uh, personality on Twitter. I actually had a team tell me they didn't like how I tweeted. Like they thought I would be a bad locker room guy because of the way I tweeted. But I'm like, Twitter is fun. Like that's it's not real. Like that's just me having fun, me showing my personality. Like why would you judge? First of all, what does that have to do with me playing football? One, two, like what does that even – what does that even mean? Like, but uh, yeah, so that was really it for me. I just, I just was like, uh, okay, they must want me. They calling me early there. They, they, uh, I was told that the situation was going to be, essentially I was told Sir Vincent wasn't coming back. We want you to be a star. And I think what it came boiled down to was at the time, Scott Milanovic was the coach and I think Scott wanted me and he tried to get me in the past when I hit free agency the first time. Because, honestly, if he was still a head coach, I probably would have signed to Toronto than Sass, uh, honestly. But the reason why I had chose Sass over Toronto was because 
Scott had left. Everything was up in the air. They didn't know who was hired as coaches. They didn't have a GM. So it was like, it was like, it was like total gong show. So I didn't want to go to there because I thought like, oh, that would be a bad situation to put myself into because no one knows what's going on there. So I chose SAS because that was just the team who had the most ability, right? Had a proven head coach, just won a great cup. I'm thinking, okay, it should be a good situation I'm, I'm walking into. I mean, albeit future reference was a bad situation, but I mean, who I didn't know it at the time. I was just going off of what was the best two options that I had at the moment, right? So, um, yeah, so Scott was in Edmonton. I knew Scott wanted me. Like, he was one of the first people to call me after I signed. He was excited to have me. I figured, you know what, I'll play for a guy who really values me. He, like, he's always told me how much he liked me as a player and how bad he's wanted, wanted me to play for him. So that was what the situation was. I was cool with it. I didn't have a problem with anything when I signed. And then I think a week later, um, more news started coming out. Pictures started getting a little more clear with some of the you know, news that was leaking out. So then I started to get kind of get an idea of you know what was going on, right? So what I did was I called up Brock Sunderland. I said, listen, um, you know, the deal you gave me, like I'm appreciative of it. I, I do, but looking looking like from me being the guy who I think is pretty intelligent and see the full picture, I'm like, I don't think I could really, you know, do this deal. I talked about it with my with my wife, talked about it with my parents. Everybody was just like, Yeah, I don't think you should have signed that deal. It's probably not a good deal. You shouldn't have done it. And but it was already late. It was too late. My name was already on the contract. Right. So I called up Brock thinking, you know, if I have a man to man of him, if I'm honest to him, I let him know what my situation is. Maybe he'll work with me. Right. So um, first, when I called him, I said, hey, could you, you know, I, I just I get it. If, you, if you're telling me this is all you can offer me, this is what the deal is. I get it. It's a business. You got to do what you got to do, especially for your team. Right. But I don't think it's a good fit for me. So, you know, maybe I don't think I'm going to come up and play. You know, you could just release me and then just, you know, kind of go go get who you want to get. He goes, oh, no, 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 we're not going to release you. I'm going to give you, uh, you know, maybe we can work something out. We could try to give you some more money. But, hey, dude, this is what I'm going to do. Wait till after free agency so I can make sure I get the other guys that I need. And then we'll see what's there. So I said, all right, cool. I'll wait. Months go by. I don't hear nothing. I think a month and a half go by. I don't hear nothing. Uh, and then um, Scott leaves for the NFL. So when Scott left, I'm kind of like, okay, well, probably ain't going to be no season. Because if the head coach is dipping out, you know, a month after I signed it, it must be a sign like, okay, nothing, nothing good is coming of anything. It's not going to be a season, right? So, uh, Scott leaves. So I'm just like, okay, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I think a couple of weeks later, they hired Jamie. Um, and then after they hired Jamie, I think that's the next week, free agency started. A couple of days or a week later, free agency started, right? And, oh, no, no, it was the week before free agency started. And then I see they resigned Sir Vincent. So then I hit Brock again. I go, okay, are you releasing me? Like, when are you going to release me? Like, just you know, give me a heads up so I know what I'm doing. Goes, oh, no, 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 we're not going to release you. I said, okay, well, then what are you doing? Because you just signed a dude who's similar. The guy does the exact same thing I do. Same resume, same everything. Like, so what is the point of you having both of us? Oh, well, maybe, um, you know, we're going to try to have, uh, I think we're, we're trying to have the best team that we could field. And I think, you know, we'll have the best two tackles in the league. But I go, okay, well, wait, you have Colin Kelly already there. He's a starter. You just re-signed him to a two-year deal. He's been your starter for the last couple of years. So you're telling me I got <laughs> I got to compete between the guy who's already been there and the guy who you've been overpaying, who you like, who you worked with in Ottawa. Now I got to compete with those two dudes for a job, right? And then come to find out, you told me you didn't have any money for me, but you paid him double. So I'm trying to figure out like what's what's going on there, like like. I'm, you're trying to pull the wool over my eyes. Like, I don't see what's going on. Like, clearly, I'm not 
I'm not just gonna take your word for it. I can see what you're doing. Like, just be honest with me. You know, just let me go. Like, there's no reason. There's no reason for me to be in this situation. Like, never been a backup. Not a backup. I'm a starter. I'm a. I'm an all star. Like, I. I feel like I've proven myself already. Why do I have to keep proving to people that I'm a good player? So, that's. It was upsetting to me. So I'm just kind of like, okay. But then I see kind of where you value me. Um, I get it. You got a new head coach. Maybe he wants to bring in the guys that he wants, right? I wasn't. I didn't sign before you hired him, so maybe I'm not who he wants, right? All I keep getting is, oh, no, we expect you to come in and be the guy. We expect you to come do this. We want you here. We're not releasing you. I'm like, but if you're not releasing me, then what are you doing? Like, because the way it's looking to me is you're telling me I got to compete for two spots while these two dudes got to compete for just the one spot. Sounds like I'm going to be the backup. He's like, no. I'm, I, so I kept asking. I, I literally asked him. I said, what, what is my role for the team? Like, what do you see my role for the team? Oh, well, if you come in and do what you're supposed to do, then you're, you're probably going to be a starter. Okay, well, that's that's typical what everybody goes through in football, right? If you come in and you play well, you're going to start. That's just that's natural. Like, I'm asking you, like, I'm a guy where you can be up front with me. Tell me exactly what you want from me, what you want me to do. Don't just say you're, you're signing, you know, um, oh, I, you know, if you're my position in the GM, you would sign all the best players you could have and then just let the chips fall where they may. Well, no, I've, I've never been in that situation. I'm, this isn't high school. This isn't college. It's pro football. Like, no one stockpiles talent and then goes, hey, okay, you guys go figure it out. But you already know what you want to do before you get there. So, and you could clearly see kind of what their agenda was because you see all the veterans that they brought in. You see what's happening to these guys, right? I already saw that was going to happen. I probably would have been one of them. So, now... You're going to take now for me, I'm thinking I got to protect my name, right? I got to protect my image. I already went through a situation where my name was dragged through the mud and everybody thought I was terrible and I had to pull it out the mud again. Right. So I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to have to keep fighting to prove myself when I'm already proving myself. So that's kind of like where my frustrations through everything was building. So then, you know, um, again, uh, I, I, nothing happens. Free agency passes. They're signing everybody they want to sign. I didn't say nothing. I'm just waiting to see what happens. Right. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to hit them up. I'm going to see if the com- the three, four conversations we've already had, if it what's going to, what's going to transpire of it. Right. So I don't hear nothing. I think a, a month, month and a half before they finally announced that we're having a season. I hit Brock up. And I'm like, okay, so I guess the, uh, whatever the extra money you told me that was on the table is off the table. Right. Cause you haven't called me to figure that out. Right. Uh, so again, if this is the day I'm playing with, could you release me? Oh no, no, no! I'm sorry, I just got caught up. Uh, I'll still honor the deal that we made. It was supposed to be a gentleman's, gentleman's, uh, gentleman's deal. So it was like a like by work, right? Oh, I'll still honor it, type of thing. But I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm still like the situation is still not changing. It's still what it is, right? Now you done signed Randy Richards. You know you done brought back. Uh, Tommy Draheim, you know, all these dudes that, you know what I'm saying? So now you got 10 offensive tackles for two spots, right? When you already know who the two starters are. So again, what is my role? Like, what, what are you bringing me in for? Like, what, what exactly do you want me to do? Like, oh, um, we, we, we expect you to come in and be the guy, you know, who we think, um, you know, basically we're saying like, oh, you're going to beat out one of them. We don't know which one, but we're going to give you a chance to beat out either one of them. But I'm like, wait, what? Like what, what? Like oh, maybe you'll be left, Colin right. Maybe, maybe you're right, Sir Vincent's left. I'm like, bro, I'm not a right tackle. I'm not. Like you don't take a you don't take a top two left tackle and tell him oh you might play right tackle. Like that's like taking it's like taking Trent Williams and then going to get uh uh, uh what's in, uh Ronnie Stanley 
and then going, hey, one of you guys going to play right and one of you guys going to play left. Now, that's two top-tier left tackles. Who does that? So I'm like, this this just doesn't make any sense to me at all. So I'm, I was I, – that's honestly like how everything was transpiring. I'm just like, I don't feel like putting myself in this situation. Like, I don't feel like you have my best interest at heart. Uh, I, I had a kid during the pan. I had a second kid during the pandemic. I just bought a house. Um, I got I got a lot of stuff outside of football that's depending on me to be able to provide for them, right? So, you giving me a deal that's kind of what you would give to an unproven guy or a rookie, it just doesn't fit my situation, right? Now, who's to say like I get a situation like Sean Lemon, right? I go up there, I'm doing well in camp, but you already know what the situation is, right? You already know you got two Canadian draft picks. You want to play them? You want that? You want that media? blitz of having two Canadian DNs, right? All that stuff, right? So I already know there would have been that situation, right? It would have been a, it would have been a, I would have even got cut and they would have said Sir Vincent and Colin was out playing me or I would have been back up sitting on the bench and I would have been frustrated anyway. And then it, then it just would have been a bad situation, right? So now I left my family. I left a job that's paying me, you know, well over CFL minimum. I know I left my job. I'm leaving all this stuff that's beneficial to me right now. That's helping me. That's helped me survive through the whole pandemic for you to bring me up there and play games with me. Right. I, I didn't see the point in that. So that's, that, that was, that was my whole reason behind it. Like if it was a, if it was a true honest situation that played out and it was like a, Hey, I know what it is. I got a chance to come up there and compete and it's going to pay off. Then yeah, cool. I would have, I would probably would have showed up to camp, but I already saw the writing on the wall. Right. I already saw what was going to happen and I just didn't want to put myself in that situation. So after asking four times, like, yo, just let me go and just, and the crazy thing was every time I asked to, let, to get let go, I was told, no, not, I'm not going to make you available for somebody else to sign you. Like what, like what, so now you're screwing me over, right? Now you're, now you're messing with my life and my livelihood and the way I can feed my family because you want to show me that, for lack of better words, you got bigger cojones than me, right? So I'm like, I, I don't, I don't, what is the point of that? Like, this is, this is not a game for me. This is my life. This is how I feed my family. This is how I provide, right? So this is not just, this is not, not, you know, pawns on a chessboard for me. This is, this is real. Like if you cut me and I go home, now I, I don't have a job. You haven't paid me any money. I didn't get no signing bonus. I didn't get anything. I'm not getting any. We're already down four game checks. So where's the benefit for me, right? Like, where where, where, where do I see, like, there's going to be some type of benefit for me other than I just get the chance to play football? That's the case. I could go down the street and go play semi-pro if I want to just play football. Like, I'm not doing this just to play football. I'm doing this because this is how I feed my family. This is how I provide. This is how I take care. This is how I keep food, food on the table, roof over our heads, and clothes on our back. So... I don't have time to be playing these games. And if, while I'm being upfront with you, you just keep talking to me like a, uh, like a, like a, oh, you know, and then you could tell by the statement that, that they put out. Cause I know that statement came from Brock. Cause it was some of the same stuff that he was already saying to me. It was um, the one Naylor put out saying, oh, spoke to Edmonton and, um, oh, we signed a contract with, with Dennis. We're, we're willing to honor the contract if he's willing to come back and play football. Right. When do teams ever honor any contracts that they don't like? Come on now. Like you basically get you letting everybody know your hand already. Like that's what I that's why I kind of said that tidbit on Raj show. I was like, I've learned to look past the surface of things and see the deeper picture. Right. I've been around enough football leagues. I've been around enough football personnel, enough coaches to know when you when you giving me BS and when you giving me the real. Right. So. I'm like, and it was crazy too, because every time I spoke to Brock, then Jamie would call me 10 minutes later and repeat the exact same thing that Brock was already telling me. And I'm like, 
I'm like, okay, bro. Like, you know, like I'm telling, and I'm being upfront with them. I'm saying, listen, this doesn't look good. You got two guys that has a history in Ottawa. You know, all you guys got history from Ottawa. You guys got relationships. Like, I'm not, I'm not crazy. Like football is, football is all nepotism, right? It's all about, it's all about who you know and who you're friends with, right? Nobody, nobody just, nobody really does it for the better of the game or to provide. Everybody's hiring their friends. Everybody's making sure they're bringing their buddies in. Like, that's just what it is. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dumb, man. Like, so don't treat me like I don't know what I'm talking about. Just be real with me. And I'm asking, I'm asking for that same honesty and truth in return. I'm giving it to you. I'm asking you to give it back to me. So if I say, hey, you know what? I see the situation. I don't think it's the best for me. Hey, just let me go about my business, right? Somebody signs me, somebody signs. Somebody doesn't, then, hey, at least I can retire with Calgary Stampeders, the team who I built my legacy with, who everybody knows me for playing with, right? At least I can retire with in the right place, right? But now I'm in a situation where, basically told me play for me or play for no one else like play for me or retire that's basically what i was told so i was like okay well then i guess i gotta retire because i'm not playing for you i'm not going up there i'm not doing that to myself and then i retired because it was to open up a roster spot to give somebody else a chance i've been asking for my release so that you could open up the roster spot i said you know what just release me you free that money up you go give it to somebody who really wants it or who wants to come right Oh, we're not paying you nothing anyway, so it doesn't matter. So I'm just going to hold on to your rights until you decide you want to play. Like, what? Like, what are you? What are you doing? So uh, that's the situation I'm in. Like, that's really the situation I'm in. And it's and it's frustrating because I'm not being I'm not like I'm I'm getting painting as the bad guy. Like I'm being deceiving or, you know, I'm not holding up to my word. But it's more like a. I've been being honest and upfront about the situation the whole time. And all I've been asking for is the same thing in return. And I'm just like, okay, hey. If that's how you do your business, that's how you do your business. I'm not, I'm not judging you, but I just don't want to be a part of that. So just give me the opportunity to go do what I need to do for myself and I can move on. Right. But now you're using it as some type of competitive advantage, or you want to show me that, you know, you want to set an example that no player could ask for their release and get it type of thing. Like, what are, what are we doing here? Like guys, guys ask for their release from teams all the time. Guys ask to change cities, guys ask for trades. Like that's just part of the game. Like, what are you trying to make an example out of me for? I've never done, I don't know you from Adam. Like I've never done nothing to you. I never said nothing bad about you. Like, I don't understand why I just can't get the, you know what I'm saying? You're already releasing veterans. You probably would have did it to me anyway. So why not just do it now? You want to, you want to prove a point that when you sign a deal with me, you have to come play and, and do what I want, or you're not going to, well, I'm going to, I'm going to hose you. Like that's just, that's, that's the frustrating part about it for me. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I mean, like I, I'll text the guy. He, he'll, I won't get no replies. He'll ignore me. It's like, hey, can we figure this out, man? Can we get this figured out so I can move on and do what I need to do? You know, maybe there's a better opportunity for me out there that I can take care of my family with and I can still play football, right? I'm not getting none of that respect in return. So now it's kind of like, uh, uh, and it's and it's crazy because the guy's rep among players is bad, right? But the crazy part is when guys are going through stuff, you don't get a chance to just call all your buddies and go, hey, you know, you play for this guy. You know, what did, what did, you, what did you go through, right? Most guys won't say anything they just don't want to get back to him that they said something and then it kind of like bite them in the butt. Right. So, but it wasn't until after I signed and I started getting hit up by a bunch of dudes like, man, you probably shouldn't have done that, bro, man. You should have, you should have waited, man. I'm like, well, why are y'all waiting to tell me this now, man? Like why, why did somebody tell me this beforehand? So, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's where I'm at with it, man. I just, I really, honestly, I just, I just want my release or, or trade me somewhere where I'm, I know I'm released you know, start and play and be able to, you know what I'm saying? And if I do bad and I get cut, then cool. I can live with that. Right. But I can't live with the, the politics. Right. You see what a guy like Sean Lemon went through up there. Right. 
you you calling, you know, Thaddeus Coleman to come up the street just to, you know, waste his time for a week and then send him home anyway because you're not going to play him, right? We're talking about veterans, right? Guys with proven track records in the league, guys who have performed and and can perform, right? So why are you playing these games with grown men, right? You're supposed to be a grown man. Like, why are you playing these games with grown men for what? What advantage does that give you, right? What what name does that give you? What does that do for your rep, right? Everything about what coaches and in football world, everything is about protecting your rep, right? Making sure that you know, you know what I'm saying? Especially now, free agents, you they see what I'm going through. I, I got guys every day hit me up like, yo, what's going on? Like, what's, you know? and then it's the opposite factor too. You got the guys who are talking bad about me saying, oh, what is wrong with this guy? Who does he think he is? Like, bro, I'm not, I don't care about none of that. Your situation is not mine. My situation is not yours. I'm trying to do what's best for me and mine. I don't really care about what you got going on or what you did. If that works for you, that works for you. That doesn't work for me. So I don't ever judge anybody for what they do or how they moving or what they say. It's been plenty of times during the pandemic. I've seen guys tweeted stuff and I was like, this, you're like, you're trash, bro. What are you talking about? Like, what is this? Like, what, you know what I'm saying? But I keep my mouth shut because each is on, right? That's how you feel. That's how you feel. Like, it is what it is, right? But we play in such a small league that everybody talks, everybody knows everybody, everybody speaks, right? So it's kind of like a, like a, um, you know, like now I'm in a situation like what now? What do I do now? Like, I'm really just trying to get my freedom. So if I do got to retire, at least I can retire at Stan Peter. And if I got the opportunity to play, then you know what? I could play, right? I mean, from what I'm hearing, I mean, there's a lot of teams out there right now that needs offensive tackles. I think every team needs offensive tackles, to be honest. But, um, that's just I like that's just the situation I'm in. Like, so I'm I'm just trying to I've been minding my business, man. I've been working, you know, I've been doing really well off the field. Um, like I said, I bought a house during the pandemic, so moved into a brand new house. Uh, I've only been in there for like a couple months because it was a new build, so it just got finished being built like a couple months ago. So I mean I'm I'm doing I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well enough that I don't really like it's not a pressing need for me to go up there and play, right? Unless it's a situation that's better than what I'm in right now. And that's basically what I've been telling everybody is it just situation just has to make sense, right? Because for me to leave and go play football, then that's going to require my my, my um, wife to not work her career, right? So that's two, two um, you know, incomes that's going to get cut down to one if I leave for six, seven months to go play football, right? So I got to make sure that that six, seven months is going to be, is going to, going to translate to 12 months or, you know, or 16 months until we get back to the next season. So it just didn't make any sense. Right. And then when I told them that it was more like, okay, I try to save face for everybody and just say, okay, you know what? I'm just going to sit the season out and I'll play next year. Right. And then, um, and then when I realized, when I saw like how things were going, talking to guys in camp, I'm kind of like, all right, this is probably not even the place that I need to be. Right. So it was just like, Hey, no, I don't think this is going to be a mutual benef beneficial relationship. So let's just, you know what I'm saying? Let's just, if you cut me now, it just, it doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't hurt me. You know, everybody still gets to move on and do what they need to do. Right. So that's where I was at with it, but I just wasn't being met with the same uh, respect in a sense. So yeah, I just gave y'all the full story. I never told nobody. The only people that know that story is people close to me. Right. And that's kind of like, now I'm getting to the point where I've been back into a corner and I got all these types of fans and people hitting me up and trying to make it seem like I'm the bad guy. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm the one that's that's being irrational and, and unreasonable. And then and that's not the case. So um, and, and, and y'all know me, man. My, my name, my name is my name is gold to me. Like, I, I'm not going to never I'm not going to ever say nothing that's going to make me look bad. I'm not going to do nothing that's going to make me look bad. I'm always upfront and honest. If I say something, I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stay on ten toes, and I'm gonna stand by it, right? So that's always how I carry myself. That's that's kind of essentially how I grow up, man. I'm from New York City. We don't know no other way to be, right? So, um, 
that's just that's just where I'm at with the situation. So I'm hoping, hopefully, you know, hopefully it'll get resolved. Maybe come to the senses and finally be like, hey, I just don't want it to be a situation where it's too late. And now, you know, now I've been, I've pretty much been back to a corner where my football career is done, right? And it has everything to do with ego and nothing to do with the stuff that should should contribute to a football career end, right? So that's that's where I'm at with it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's all I can say to that. With, well, with the Elks um, and everything this past few months, look what they did to Kenny Stafford. With the culture, with the culture comment, um, Sean Lemon released today uh, uh, before we record. What is like? Is this Elizondo? Is this uh, Sutherland? Or what? What's going on here? I think it's more. I, I think it's just it's just Jamie, right? So I think Jamie is a disciple of Mark Tressman, right? And it's the same thing you saw with Toronto, right? So when Mark Tressman first got to Toronto, the excitement of having a great Cup winning coach, the excitement of having a coach who has his resume, right? guys were probably just willing to, you know, they were happy for a new change, right? They were just coming off of playing with, um, I think it was Chamberlain and, you know, they was doing bad and they just wanted, they just needed to change, right? So normally when you get a fresh change, juices are flowing, things are settling, right? It's not until the second year when things get, get acclimated, right? And you start to realize, okay, well, you saw the, you saw the collapse that Tressman went through, right? How you go from, you know, you had a six and six year and still ended up winning the great cup. And then next year, next year to worst team in the league, right? It's not, you know what I'm saying? It's not, and there's no indictment on Tressman. I love coach Tressman, man. I thought he was, I was with him in Chicago in 2013 when they hired him. Right. And he came in on the same thing too. Like we had lovey. It was the Chicago was the, the, the best locker room that I ever been in when lovey was there. Lovey was a player's coach, man. He let his guys do their thing. He let you have fun. All he cared about was you doing your job on the football field and, and, and you know, making sure you, you know you stay out of trouble, right? Everything else was just, it is what it is. He accepted people for who they are, their personalities. You know what I'm saying? All he cared about was he wanted football players, right? And the guys had fun. We had veterans in that locker room who were who were happy to be there. You know, we had Peppers. We had Briggs. We had Erlocker. We had um, Matt Forte, um, Cutler. I'm talking about, like, we're talking about guys who had, like, you know, proven NFL vets, right? So when Tress came into Chicago, he tried to change the whole culture, culture fit, whole culture. Everything was couldn't play music in a locker room. Locker room is the player's sanctuary. But he would always walk in there and monitor what the guys were doing in, in, in the sanctuary. Right. So it was kind of like a he was trying to make an imprint on his culture and how he wanted things. Right. So certain it's the same thing. Certain veterans started getting cut, and not making the team because they just didn't fit. You know what I'm saying? What Tressman wanted, right? They got rid of Erlocker, right? Guy who basically built that culture in Chicago. Got rid of that guy, right? Because he wanted to set a new culture. So I think that's exactly what's happening in Edmonton. Because I think, you know, uh, uh, Jamie is a disciple of Tressman, right? He's he's coached under Tressman um, with the Tampa Bay Vipers. You know, that was just kind of like his, that was um, his thing. So I think what he's doing is he's trying to do that exact thing. He wants to set a culture so that it's his team. It's, 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 done the way he wants things done and he wants to he wants guys there who can who fits his culture right so clearly that right there is a super red flag right because look at me you think a guy like me you see how i tweet and how i am and how i you know how i approach things i'm sure i would have got cut and i would have got labeled culture fit right i that's what what i would have walked into so now it's like a Okay, like you know, like I, 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 like that's that's just the situation I was walking into, right? And you guys, you see guys who are veterans who are going there for whatever reasons, and 
Um, I seen uh, somebody tweeted it earlier, but it was like, this is indictment of pro football, right? Vontae, uh, Vontae Diggs gets cut and gets labeled as a guy who is a stand-up. Like, he's a great, great character, high-character guy, right? But he's cut for performance. But the day before, you cut a guy who was high-performance, but he wasn't a cultural fit. So my thing is, okay, well, what exactly are you looking for now? You're looking for high-character culture, or are you looking for high character are you looking for high performance football players are you looking for a guy who's high character and high performance which rarely is the case with anything i mean i think most players who are good have a certain demeanor and an ego to them um look at a guy like a simone lawrence um brandon banks um those are guys like if they were in edmonton they would be labeled they would be labeled a, a culture fit so my thing is Okay, well, what culture are you building, right? One, you're a new head coach. And then this, again, no knock on Jamie. I th- I've had great conversations with Jamie. I don't know him too much in the sense of playing, so I can't really speak too much. I'm just going off of just information and trying to just piecing it together and forming my own opinions, right? But my thing is, if you're a first-year head coach, like, what, what culture are you building, right? I think any coach, any good culture, I, I've been in the, the best culture there is in the CFL, and that's Calgary, right? And the reason why it's the best culture, because all they care about is winning. They just want to win. I don't care about locker room being a certain way. I don't care about, you know, um, all that other stuff that has nothing to do with your performance on the field, right? All they want is guys who are going to come in, going to work hard, do their job, and be and be very smart football players, right? That's the culture. That's essentially what it is, right? Guys who are going to be great, build their teammates up, be great teammates, you know, all, all that good stuff, right? So I'm my thing is what culture are you building, right, when you're already pitting you're signing all these people to pit them against them in competition, right? But you want it to be a culture where it's thriving. Guys are, you know, want to build each other up, want to be, you know, all this stuff, right? All the stuff that he said Vontae Diggs was, but he still got cut, right? <laughs> so um, my thing is, like, where's, where's the, like, where's the balance, right? Where's the, where's the, the culture that you're building? What is exactly that you're trying to achieve? So, I mean, honestly, I, no one, I don't really know what's going to become of that team. I, th- I think they still have a lot of great players, a lot of great talent. I wish them well. I mean, I, I, I wish them well from the whole since day one. I've said, I'm not coming, but hey, you know, good luck. Go win a great cup type of thing. So um, that's 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 what it is. Honestly, I don't really know. It could be a combination of, of um, them trying to recreate what they think worked in Ottawa. But we see what Ottawa's going through now, right? So it's like, kind of like a... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to call it. Right. What's who knows what works. Right. I don't think anything's worked yet. So I guess it's more of like a, Hey, I guess they're trying to just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, so I got a quote here from Sunderland. Uh, actually, G, um, Dunk just put up an article about uh, Lemon and uh, Diggs. Uh, very simple. There was, there was players that we felt outplayed them. Nothing more, nothing less than that. Um, I thought Sean Lemon, as of two days ago, was playing at a high level and no one could stop him. According no. To, yeah. And Diggs was the uh, their offensive – or was their uh, defensive R- rookie, rookie of the year? year. Rookie yeah. of the year last year. Why would you give up on the guy that quick if, uh, if he's a, your rookie of the year? Right. You're talking about performances for guys who haven't played football in two years, right? Everybody's having bad performances in camp right now. No one's – no one's lighting it up. Trust me when I tell you. I mean, there are a few guys that are lighting it up, but that's probably more veterans who know what they're doing, right? I mean, from I mean, from what I'm hearing, all the D-lines across the league are looking sensational. So, 
Um, who knows, man? Somebody might break the sack record in 14 games this year. Who do? I mean, I maybe Charleston could do it in seven like he normally does. Please no, because we'll never hear the end of it. Oh, no, that's, that's coming. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Game one, two against Calgary? Oh, man. Oh, yeah, he'll be feasting there. Oh, he's going to go crazy that game. He's got, definitely got something to prove. Every time he's going to every time he walks into Calgary, he's going to have something to prove, right? And especially too, like the last time he couldn't play because he got in that that trouble with the with the um with that stuff, right? So I know for sure he's he's chomping at the bit to get to get the Calgary game one and go tear it up. So I hope them boys ready. Now it's it's funny you talked about personality and and like entertainment and being yourself on Twitter, social media, as a fan, and I think I speak for most fans, we want to see more of that from players when it seems to seems to be that teams want to see less. And it's 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 hard to see that balance. And I can't I can't imagine what that balance must be like on the player's side trying to you know it's tough. take a side in that battle. Yeah, it's tough. I mean I mean honestly me, they never had a problem with me doing it in Calgary because they know that was that was me, right? And again too they know type of football player I was. So it wasn't like me tweeting bad stuff and then I would show up on game day and play bad, right? So no, no, a real football coach is not gonna have not gonna have too much. They did they didn't I know they didn't like it too much, but they never said nothing about it because they just knew it was like it's not affecting his play, it's not stopping him from from performing. So it is what it is. That's just him, right? I, I, I there's been times where they've come to me and say, Hey, you know what, take it easy on on the social network thing. And I'm just like, I'm just playing coach. Like I'm not not being serious man that's just me like you know me my thought process is the way i am on twitter is to build up for my post football career right so i'm thinking of it like i'm a broadcast journalism major right that's what i went to college for the football players that i always felt like the guys who ended up on tv were the guys who were high personality um people when they were players right so one of my idols growing up was Shaquille O'Neal so you know Shaq as a player was was always he always had that larger than life personality, right? And that was just and that and that worked for him, right? He he did well on the field and he he did well off the field because he he was able to back it up, right? So that was always my my demeanor, right? Charles Barkley was another one of my idols, right? Another guy who as a player was very outspoken, very, very um had that larger than life personality, but he backed it up on the field, right? So my thing is if you're gonna have that personality, of course I know you gotta be able to, you know, back it up on the field, right? And I felt like I was doing that, right? I my first year, I was talking like that. And no one knew who I was. And I ended up going out to win lineman of the year right before anybody even knew what my name was. So that's how I carried myself. So um, that was that's really the honestly, like I'm just basically molded after the guys that I that I grew up idolizing. Right. And those are the guys who did the things that I wanted to do in my life. Right. Media was always something that I always wanted to do. That's the reason why I went to college and studied broadcast journalism, because I used to grow up watching guys like Shaq and Chuck and then go see them on TV and and do their thing. And people love watching them. People love seeing how they act on TV. People, people tune in to tune in just to see them act a fool on the set. Right. So that's me. Like, that's what I was trying to bring to Canada. So, um, that's really the real reason why I am the way I am. Right. I mean, I'm not, most people know me. If you know me, I'm, I'm chill, man. I, I talk, man. I love having conversations. I love, you know, having fun with everybody. I don't care. You could be, you could be tall, short, Black, white, yellow, purple—you know—it don't matter to me. I'm, every people is people. I love people, man. So that's just—that's just how how I I carry myself. And I always wanted to have that moniker of being like the people's champ, right? Somebody who the people can interact with, could talk to, could you know 
even if you say something negative about me, I'm still going to talk to you. I'm going to talk back to you. I'm not going to be like, hey, hey, F you, guy. What are you talking about? No, I'm, I'm going to have fun with you. You want to have fun with me? I'm going to have fun with you. So that's just that's just what it is. So, um, But I did it. I, I always did it with a purpose, right? It wasn't because, I mean, it is my personality, but I always did it with, with the end game in mind, right? My mom always taught me, like, you know, every day you wake up, do something that's going to be working towards your goals in the future, right? So that's how I carry myself. So um, I feel like a lot of guys are scared to be that way because of coaches and personnel, right? They don't want to have any negative knocks to them. They don't want people to not want to sign them so that, because all guys care about is they just want to play football, right? They're not thinking the big picture, right? They're not thinking, hey, I'm only going to probably be able to play football for three years of my life, right? And what am I going to do for the other 45, 50, 60 years, right? So um, I've never been one of those guys where um, I felt like I needed the game. It was more like I played because I was good at it. I enjoyed it. I love competing. I love it, but it's football's not my life. Like I'm not, I'm more than just a football player. I'm not just a guy who thinks I have no value outside of being able to hit somebody as hard as I can. And, and people, you know, cheer me for it. Right. That's really the real reason why I love playing football is because I can't walk out on the street and punch somebody and people go, Hey, that was awesome. You know what? Football's the only place I can do that. And people love me for it. Right. But if I did it at a bar, you're the worst person ever. What are you doing? That's, that's, you know, like that's the type of world we, we come in, we come from. So it depends um, on the bar, really, if you think about it. Yeah, possibly, but think <laughs> about it too. Like you look at a guy like me who's six four, three hundred, thirty, forty pounds. Yeah. If I hit somebody, you hit somebody. <laughs> it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a pretty sight, right? So that's just that's just that's just what it is, right? That's my that's my biggest joy from playing the game of football was that I can be as violent as I wanted to be and get my aggression out. And it was therapy for me, essentially. Like, it was a way for me to let loose all the stress. You know, I feel like that's what boxers are. Any, anybody does a violent sport, I don't think they're doing it because they, they and, like, they enjoy getting they, they, they ASS kick. They just doing it because they just, that's that's the way they like to compete. They like to be able to, as an, in a sense, be a man's man. So um, that's, that's where I'm at with it, in a sense. But I've always, I've never thought that, I, I need a sport. I've always been a guy who's used sport to get to get me to where I wanted to get to in the end game, right? So that's that's really how um, I approach it. But but you're right though. Teams don't like guys who are vocal, especially on the internet. They don't like guys who um, think they're larger than life. I think that was the issue I ran into in SAS with Jones. I think Jones just didn't have wasn't a big fan of me because he felt like I, I had that personality where if I walked in a room, people noticed, right? And if I walked in a room with him, they would forget he was there and they would see me, right? So it was more like a, like, hey, no, 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 you're not going to steal my luster, son. Take a back seat. Or what are you doing? Type of thing. So um, I think that's the issue that I ran into in SAS and why it was hard for me to get with the culture there. So, um, but that's, that's, um, that's, I mean, yeah, yeah, right on the money with it. I mean, so it's hard in a league where fans love to interact with players. They love the fact that players are personable and they can touch you and, and speak to you and be next to you and that type of thing, or they could go to the supermarket and see you walking down the same aisle and getting the same, same type of cereal. Right. That's, that's the appeal that a lot of, a lot of hardcore CFL fans love. Right. But on the, on the other side, you know, teams, teams don't like it. Right. You look at a guy like a, like a Justin Renfro guy who's always in the community everywhere he goes is big in the community and being next to people. Right. But he hasn't been able to, you know, stick places for, 
whatever other reasons, right? But you got a guy who's really big in the community, who wants to be there, wants to be a part of it, is doing everything he can to kind of make that community better, right? Those are the type of guys that you want to have around for, for whatever reasons, right? But then you got to worry about the football aspect of things, right? So that's it's it's a it's a very uh it's a very thin line that you have to you have to teeter with. But me, like I, I never cared about walking the line. I, I've always been a rebel in a sense, like. If you tell me to go left, then I'm going to go right just to see what happens. That's just that's just me. Well, I know Steve has another Chris Jones question for you, so we'll get to that in just a little <laughs> bit here. But um, I want to go back with the social media aspect of things, obviously, um, speaking your mind out there and everything. Uh, and, and I've seen this from John Rush of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's a free agent still. No, doesn't sound like he's coming back to the CFL anytime soon. Um, he said that, there was a team in the CFL that straight up told him, if you stop posting on Twitter, stop being yourself, basically, we'll offer you a contract. Now, feel free to, to mention teams or don't if you want, but I feel like there's one team in particular that might have said that to him. Is that one of the teams that possibly uh, said something to you about that as well? I'm not sure. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't be surprised if every team does it. I know, uh, I know some teams have like people that they designate to watch players social media and like their activity and what they do but I mean for the ones who are still active on there and doing what they want those are the guys who really you know don't I mean like right you gotta like me I put I put myself in that category of a guy like a Brandon Banks right who just says what he wants to doesn't really matter right but no one's really gonna stop him because he's he's MOP, right? He just won MOP the year before. He's been tearing it up since he's been a full-time receiver, right? But those are the those are the the type of personalities that you want in the league. You want guys who are not afraid to um, voice their opinions, to you know say what they need to. I, I don't think I don't think anything is like to me. There's no such thing as bad press, right? Unless it's the only thing that's bad press to me it would be like you know domestic violence or you know, criminal stuff, right? That's bad press. But anything outside of that, I don't think it's bad press. I think, I think any press outside of the criminal stuff is good press, right? Because it's going to bring attention. It's going to bring eyes. That's what you want, right? That's what makes money. That's what sells seats, right? So you want a guy to be able... That's why. That's what I always try to do with CFL guys, and I always got met with a lot of reluctance. Like, I would be like, yo, why don't most, why don't most guys banter on Twitter, right? That's the stuff people eat up, right? What, what if I'm playing... You know, if I'm playing Winnipeg next week and I'm all week, I'm telling Willie Jefferson, hey, I'm, I'm going I'm to kick your ass, bro. Like, you're not good, bro. I don't care what they say about you. I don't think you're good at all, right? So, well, that's going to that's gonna bring more eyes, right? People, whether they come to the game or not, they're going to watch it on TV, right? And now what you got the single game sports betting, I think that's going to bring an even better element to it, right? When you got guys bantering with each other and, and you know, because now you're going to have people betting on it. They can actually bet on it now. Like, hey, Sean Lemon is going to beat Derek Dennis for three sacks this week. I can put 500 bucks on it and make and make two grand. Hell yeah, I'm going to watch the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's the reality that you got now. Like, why not capitalize on that? So, I feel like um, – I think it's just more of like an old guard type of things. I think a lot of people who are in positions of power are like old school, like before all the social media stuff existed. So, they don't really understand it, right? So, to them, it's kind of like a – it's kind of like a, hey, you know – Guys in my day, we didn't, we didn't, we just shut up and played, right? Well, we're not in the era anymore of shut up and play, right? This is the era where you have activism, uh, very heavy in athletes. You have guys who are um, very um, flamboyant in the sense of their personality. You have, you have all these stuff. In the, you know what I'm saying? What made Dennis Rodman so, 
likable was the fact that he just did not give a damn about anything and he just did what he wanted and people loved it he would he would go to vegas on a friday night and party all night and then show up drunk and give you 25 rebounds like people love that stuff i don't i don't understand like you know what what is the big deal like that's those like i was watching last dance and that was the part that got me excited i was like what dennis Rodman just told the team like hey i'm gonna go go on a three-day bender i'll be back in time for the game and just show up plastered looking for him and he still goes out and gives you 30 rebounds like like come on bro like that's a, that's a that's a superhero right there to me like that's that's a that's a that's a guy I want to be like you know? so <laughs> that's that's my thing I think I think it's a it's a really it's a really um it's a really unique situation now especially now with single game sports betting being um prevalent I think guys being more vocal on social media and creating that atmosphere is going to want to make people watch, even if you're not a fan. Like I just said, like, if you're not a fan, if you don't really care about it, but Hey, you see two guys bickering back and forth and you go, Hey, you know what? I'm going to place a bet to see which one actually wins and you win money. Then you're going to be like, Oh, you know what? I'm tuning in next week and see if I can do it again. Like now you got, you probably just put 10, 15, 20,000 more eyes on the game that you never had before. So that's, that's the type of, I think, scenario that could be created if taken advantage of properly, right? If we get out of that old guard mentality and get out of that shut up and play, you know, mentality, I think there's a, there's a uniqueness that can help grow the game in that sense, right? What are the, you know what I'm saying? You, you want kid, kids to tune into the game more, right? Well, what doesn't get kids more excited, especially than, you know, people like having some type of conflict, right? What are, what are stuff that are popular to kids, right? Superheroes and having a, um, a, a hero and an antagonist, right? Well, if you could create that for them in real life for something that they can see and touch and feel, like, why not capitalize on that? So the, the one question I did have, and while we're out here spilling the tea, as it were, fans in Saskatchewan really want to know, what's a Chris Jones locker room really like? Um, man, how do I explain this, right? <laughs> I've always said that Jones, he Jones loves football players from below the Mason Dixon line. So if you're familiar with um what that is, it's basically he likes country southern, southern boys. Country southern boys, right? Guys who are are great athletes, but not the brightest bulbs in the toolbox. So um our Chris Jones locker room is gonna be full of guys who are football players right guys who just don't care about nothing but just playing football right they don't really um in a sense uh do do they do as they say type of guys right so that's not that's never been me that's not me right if you tell me to run through a brick wall i'm gonna ask you what is the benefit of me running through this brick wall before i do it right i'm not just gonna go all right coach yeah cool i'll run through this brick wall for you Right. So that's that was that was more like that's what the locker room is. And it was a lot of great guys that I was around. Um, and a lot of them I'm still I'm still very cool with to this day, right? And not all of them are like that, right? But that's the majority of you know the type of guys that you were seeing Jones like bring in, right? So um, and if you think about it, I don't think there's any been most many free agents who've ever signed with Jones and had success, right? I think most of the guys who have had success with him are guys that he feel like he fished diamonds out of the rough right guys who nobody who was doing free agent camps and out in uh tennessee and alabama and stuff and nobody knew about them and it was easy for him to say you know hey i got an opportunity for you come play for me just do what i tell you to do and you'll be successful type of thing right so those are the guys who have always been successful under jones it hasn't been guys who are 
like me or like Lemon or, you know, I, I, I can name off countless free agents who just have gone to SAS while Jones was there or Edmonton while Jones was there and just didn't have success. I mean, I heard stories about him even when he was in Calgary. Um, so he cut Charleston Hughes, for God's sake. Like, you know what I'm saying? If it, if it wasn't for injuries, the CFL would not know who Charleston Hughes was because Jones didn't want him. So that's that's the type of things, you know, like that's the type of things that, you know, say that, like most people don't know that. That Jones cut Charleston, told him he probably wasn't going to be good enough to play, cut him, and then injuries happened and they you know brought him back because he was there, he knew the system, and then the rest is history, right? So think about if injuries didn't happen and Jones got to have the guys that he wanted, would we know who Charleston Hughes is? Probably not. Maybe, maybe some other team would have gave him a shot. Who knows? Like maybe would he be, would he be the the you know Charleston Hughes that he is today? Like who knows? You know what I'm saying? Those are things that a lot of people just don't look at that picture and think of, right? So, um, I wasn't the first free agent who didn't have much success. And again, too, I don't want to say I didn't have success, right? Because I don't think I played as bad as people try to make it seem, right? And I think because of those certain factors, there was a narrative created about me in the building that was being fed to be pushed outside the building that just made it look like, you know, um, I was playing bad. Cause there was, there was, there were scenarios where like, I think the biggest thing that I had the issue with was like the offense, the way the offense was built. It was, it was too simple. Right. And it was so simple that they could change things drastically from week to week. Right. So for me, a football playbook is always going to have basic concepts, right? It's going to be, Hey, this is the basic concept of the play. And whenever, stuff gets crazy in the game, you can always revert back to those basic concepts, right? So for me, if it's, if you put it in this way for one week, I'm thinking that's exactly the rules for it for the rest of the year. But the way it was in SAS was, okay, we played Toronto this week. That was the rules. Okay, now we're playing Winnipeg. The rules are completely different. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Time out, time out. What do you mean the rules are completely different? Like, like who, who, like who does that? Like, I've never been in the offense, like, like, I think the most complex offense I've been in was New England Patriots, right? And that thing, it, compared to football playbooks, is Chinese arithmetic, okay? Like, and I learned that playbook in three days. So, for me, it's like, and that's the same thing. It's like a basic concept. This is what we do. This is how we do it. If stuff hits the fan, you know you have whatever rules to revert back to, right? So, I think that was the difference you saw, I guess, in my play from Calgary to SAS was because, I knew when stuff got wonky in the game, well, at least I knew what to do when it did, right, in Calgary. In SAS, I didn't have that same thing. So if I'm thinking, hey, I got inside help, and you're telling the guy, don't help the tackle, go help the center this week, but you don't tell that to me, then I have no clue. You know what I'm saying? Now it looks like, okay, hey, Derek Dennis is getting beat inside for another sack when I'm thinking, hey, that dude is supposed to be there for me because I thought that's how we did it last week type of thing. So that was the situation that I was I was getting into, right? But most fans don't know that stuff because they don't know the intricacies or they don't know the playbook or they don't know that stuff, right? So it's easy to look at the game and go, hey, that guy sucks. He's, he's getting beat for sacks. When you don't know that, I literally was thinking, okay, I don't have to chase him. I got help when I didn't have help, right? But you didn't tell me that. If you'd have told me, hey, you know what? You don't have help if you're on your island. Well, then, okay, I could approach that a little differently, right? But if you don't tell me that, and then I go out there and I do stuff, and you're not, you know what I'm saying? You're going, you know, you're talking to people behind closed doors and make it seem like, oh, that guy's not focused. He's not locked in. But you're not telling them that, hey, I changed stuff on him this, from last week to this week, right? Um, prime example, 
gonna give you right. So I think the first game in Mosaic, we played Winnipeg, right? Double overtime, loss. At the end of the game, I remember it's a big play. We called a draw. Um, we called a draw. I think KG had the ball. He could have walked in for a touchdown, right? But I had I was blocking Westerman, and I didn't realize I thought the ball was by me. And um, he, Westman were coming from behind and making a tackle like on the one. So we ended up losing the game, right? When we could have won. I remember them bringing me in the office and going, hey, you know, we feel like you need to pick up your play. Um, you know, you, you, you this, this, that. And I'm saying, okay, well, you know, here's the factors. You know, this is why. Okay, don't worry about it. I'll get it fixed, right? Um, they asked me to, um, they asked me to play guard, first of all. Wasn't demoted. They asked me because they didn't believe um, uh, Darius uh, Bladdock was ready to play yet, right? So they asked me to play. We had Bruce Campbell. Bruce was a left tackle. It was easy to just let him go play left, let me slide in or get into, because that was why teams wanted me in free agency, because I was first. I played did in Calgary. I played guard, played both guards, played both tackles, you know. I could play anywhere on the line. So um, they asked me to play guard. I said, okay, cool. I don't have no problem with doing that. Slid Brandon in the center. He played guard, all right? So fast forward, we play Winnipeg, Labor Day Classic, right? Same play. Called it again, right? We got a way different look this time. And in my head, I'm going, hey, I don't want them to say I messed this play up again, right? I, I wish I knew what play it was. I think it was a big run by Cam Marshall. I think Cam rushed for like 60 yards on a draw. I literally blocked two people on that play by myself, like literally had one guy in this arm, one guy in this arm and picked both of them up, walked them this way. <laughs> Cam ran off my butt 60 yards down the field, right? That's the type of stuff that I always feel like I, I can do, right? I can make adjustments. If you tell me, hey, you need me to do this, I can do that, right? So, and that was always my frustration with everything in SAS was like, I wasn't, I felt like the coaches wasn't sticking up for me and they wasn't really, you know, going to bat for me like I would have had when I was in Calgary. So that was my frustration with everything. So it, it wasn't until like the end of the year that Jones finally admitted it was like, I don't know why people were ragging on Derek Dennis. He's a really good football player. Right before we played Ottawa, he finally said it. Like, guy's a really good football player, right? But I had to deal with a lot of BS while I was there, right? They threw my name into that whole fight scandal, and I wasn't even at practice. They kicked me out of practice, sent me home. I just had my kid. So I just had my kid. They made me come back. And then they try to act like, oh, we're going to send you home because, you know, so you could go be with your kid. I said, well, why didn't you just let me stay home? And that was the case. All because I missed one practice because I was having back spasms. I said, hey, I can't practice today. My back is killing me. Like, it just flared up on me. Like, I need I need the day, right? But that's all it was. They got mad that I didn't. Like, they thought I was trying to pull some prima donna move or something. I was, literally was having back spasms. I couldn't, like, bend down. I couldn't do nothing. Like, I would have probably would have hurt myself more if I went to practice, right? And then that whole fight broke out. And then you remember on Twitter, my, my name was getting thrown into it. And I'm like, why? I'm, I'm in Arizona. How is my name being thrown into a fight at practice? And I'm in Arizona. Like, they literally booked me a ticket and told me go home. So I'm like, <laughs> that was the type of stuff I was dealing with, right? And I think, I think actually, I think what happened was they were going to try to cut me, right? And they needed a reason to justify cutting me. So I think that's why they threw my name into it. But by that point, I think it was at that point, it was week nine. Once you cut vet veterans, um, once you got a certain amount of, of veteran status, your set rest salary for the rest of the year is guaranteed, right? Guaranteed, yeah. So even, so even if they cut me, they would still have to pay me, right? So it didn't make no sense to cut me because then they would have just been paying me for free. 
So it was like, all right, keep me around. And then, uh, and then Blue ended up getting hurt, and they needed me in the playoffs, right? They would have sat me for the rest of the year. I would have never played again if, if Blue didn't get hurt. I think we need to just do an entire episode on the uh, year with the Riders. That might be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the type of stuff that you got to deal with as a player behind closed doors, man. And they just – just, I'll probably get in trouble for talking about all this stuff. But at this point, like, I'm kind of like, I ain't got nothing to lose, man. They're already making me sit at home and I can't play. Like, what do I have to lose now? So if this is it, what's the future for Derek Dennis look like? I mean, right now I'm just working, finding the next opportunity. Um, I'm going to get into dropping some more content for the CFL season and just kind of building my portfolio. I want to focus on O-line play. I feel like the O-line, trenches, D-line, I feel like they don't get enough credit for what they do or the things that they handle. Or, you know, you got situations where you got a guy like Micah Johnson who's facing double and triple teams every week, but the people are trying to make it seem like his play is, is lacking, but they're not looking at Hey, teams actually scheming towards this guy to make sure he doesn't wreak havoc on, on their teams, right? That's stuff that I feel like needs more attention and somebody who actually knows the game and has been in it, been a part of it, and been able to see those things, be able to kind of bring light to it. Um, I think one of my favorite people, you know, um, uh, you know, rest in peace to him was uh, Chris Schultz. When they had Chris Schultz on TSN, I think he was the one guy that was kind of bringing attention to O-line play and trying to highlight O-line guys during the week. Because they just, you know, naturally, you know, skilled guys don't talk about O-line play because they don't know what they're looking at. They're not going to talk about stuff that they have no clue, right? You always hear about them talking about the DB or the corner or the, you know, to safety or the linebacker or the, you know, DN, right? But do you ever hear them talk about uh, Revenberg a lot, who I think is the best guard in the league? Who guy, guy who should get a lot more attention than he, that he deserves? Um, they don't talk about him much, right? They don't talk about a guy like a um, at the top of my head. Let's see, you Cambry Williams in Calgary, right? Guy who's very versatile, weapon, does a lot of things for a team, right? Was probably um, I had this conversation with with somebody with a media guy the other day, and I goes, uh, I think they was asking me about who's the you know top uh, lineman in the league, right? And I'm like, you Cambry Williams, the guy who gets who does who does get a lot of attention, right? I think he's very deserving of some attention because. Um, and our system in Calgary, he was put in a lot of one-on-ones, right? How many how many centers do you know in the CFL gets put in one-on-one situations, right? They can't handle it. That's something that needs to be highlighted, right? That's something that needs to be talked about, something that needs to be brought to light, right? Because when you get to the end of the year and you get to these all-star votings, and I've had a lot of conversations with media people, a lot of them are just picking names that they recognize, right? They're not really, they don't really watch the games. They don't really watch, especially in the trenches. They don't really watch it. They're just calling their buddy. If, you know, if I'm a reporter in Ottawa, I'm going to call the, my buddy in Winnipeg and go, hey, who do you think is the best lineman? And they're naturally going to say, okay, Stanley Bryant. All right, cool. That's what I'm voting for, right? Even though they've never watched the Winnipeg game all year. So my thing is, I feel like it needs to be more attention brought to uh, the trench, trench work in all aspects, even fullbacks. I feel like fullbacks don't get enough credit for the things that they have to do in, in, in play, especially because that's a, that's a big Canadian position in the CFL, right? But those guys are asked to do what linemen do and actually do what running backs would do. So I feel like they they deserve, man. A guy like, a, you know, like who I played with, Charlie Power or, you know, or, uh, or Ante or, you no know, guys like who I feel like are really good football players, they just don't get uh, a lot of opportunities or attention because they just don't, it's just, that's just what it is, right? So um, that's that's really, you know, like Spencer Moore, you know, guys who, who do a lot, right, who do, who don't get a lot of media attention, who don't get talked about a lot, but are guys who are very, um, are a big part of football teams who do a lot of stuff, right? So I feel like that's what I want to get into 
talking about more to kind of create that niche and maybe, you know, maybe TSN or, you know, Sportsnet or somebody wants to pick it up and turn it into something bigger, right, to where I can actually help build that brand and, and something to help build the football, the, the CFL brand. And kind of, cause I'm a big fan of CFL always. I mean, I may, I may have my, my uh, critiques of how they do things a lot. And that's naturally most people do. Right. Especially for me, I'm a guy who's in it. Who's been a part of it. I can see some of the, some of the stuff that's behind the veil. Right. So for me, I always have a critique about what can we do to be better. Right. That's always my critiques. It's always, what can we do to be better? Right. It's not to say like, Oh, you got sucked and you're never going to get it right type of thing. It's more like a, when are you going to figure out to get out your own way and kind of, and kind of do what's going to be best for the league, right. To grow it. Right. Because at the end of the day, all the owners care about is making money. Right. Well, what are you going to do to make that money? Right. You got to invest in the product. You got to put some into the product in order to make money. Right. That's the a basic principle of business. that Everybody knows. Right. So you, you want supply and demand, but you have to invest. You know what I'm saying? You got to build capital. You got to be able to build that inventory to be able to get to that point. Right. So why not do that? Why not? Why not burn some money to invest in it to build that brand and get it to a point where people are going to want to take notice of, it? especially now that you got a chance to make even more capital because now you got the betting, the betting thing involved in it. Right. So, um, and I think that's, that was a lot of my, my, um, my talking points would when they did talk about the whole XFL thing. I thought that, I thought that could have worked out really well for them if they did it right. Right. But everybody was just focused on, uh, Canadian rules and ratios and, you know, all that stuff. Right. And in my mind, the best Canadians don't even play in the CFL anyway. Most of them go to the NFL, right? And you're seeing now a lot more Canadian players are going to the NFL because that's the that's that's what they look at to, to to achieve, right? So you're talking about building opportunities for Canadians, right? But you're building opportunities for guys most of the time who probably played what maybe one year of university if they was lucky, or could have been like a walk on or something that you know it's like that type of stuff, right? And again, too, granted, like I feel like um, like at Temple, we had a guy who was a walk-on, ended up becoming a first-round pick by the end of his college career, right? But that's just based off of his work ethic and how he approached things and him having certain tool sets as a player, right? So my thing, if you're a good player, they're going to find you, right? It doesn't matter where you're from or what you do. You know, if you can play the game, you can play the game, right? And I think that's what I always was always my stick with um, football departments was that I, I'm not with the flashy stuff, right? I don't care how high a guy can jump. I don't care how fast he can run in a straight line. None of that matters when you get on the football field. None of that really matters, right? Because if you can't play the game of football, then it doesn't matter that you can run a four-two because you don't can't read a playbook. You don't know how to run a run a run a sail route, or you don't know how to run a, a dig. You know what I'm saying? Like, but yeah, you can run four-two all day in a straight line, but this ain't track. This is football. So. But like, what are we, what are we glorifying, right? That's why I'm not, I'm not a fan of the combine. I mean, granted, them, I'm probably was salty because I never got invited, but I'm not a fan of combines because, because what is it really? It's like a, it's like a glorified slave trade. Like you want to see what guys look like in their underwear, you know? You want to, you want to, you want the, you want the guys to look sexy, right? That's that's the type of players that Jones went after, right? You wanted the guys who, when they walked up the bus, they wanted people to go, ooh, ah, ooh, what is, what is, that's nice, right? But then you put him out there on the field and he's out there getting ragdolled. What, what good is it? What good does it matter if he has a twelve pack if he can't if he can't if he can't lift nobody right? I know a guy like that who was ripped to shreds right couldn't couldn't bench press two twenty five ten times but he had all the muscles in the world he was all cut up ripped up he looked good in, in his in his uniform couldn't even lift two twenty five I'm like what what does it matter who cares what your body looks like you can look like a donut if you could pick a man up from point A to point B I don't care 
<laughs> the one thing in the combine I've always never understood is the 40 yard dash. I understand how important being fast is, but when in football are you running straight 40 yards and not doing any kind of cuts or anything? If you are not, you are not until you get into the open way. field. Yeah. Exactly. Not until you get to the open field, right? You got to do a lot of stuff before you even get to that point. Exactly. Well, Derek, You've uh, spent more than an hour with us, and we can't thank you enough for. Uh, oh, for sure, your, man. You know me. I, you let knowledge. me talk. I'll talk all day. <laughs> I still want to do that 20, uh, 2015 season review. I don't care. Seventeen or seventy-three. Yeah, we could do. We, we, we could do a little. I mean, this there's a whole man. I could be on here for about ten hours if you want me to drop some stuff. I got but, the time. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. But hey, I appreciate the opportunity you guys giving me a chance to kind of put my story out there. Um. Yeah, man. I just honestly, I'm just, I'm just sick of the narrative, man. That's the thing, man. And I hate that as an athlete. That, um, like what Kenny Stafford said, right? For them, label him like a, you know, a culture fit, right? That's something that's going to stick with him, right? Even though it could not be true because you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. It's kind of like a, you know, why is it okay for, for teams to, to stick a bad, you know, put a bad stigma on a player, right? But a player can't do that to a team, right? You know what I'm saying? What's, what's the, why? What, you know, what are we doing here? You know what I'm saying? That's my type of thing. A team could cut a player whenever they feel like, and no one says, oh, you're they're wrong for doing that. You know, you could cut a guy before you, the day before you, he's, he's due a bonus. But the minute, you know, a guy like me says, no, I don't, I don't think it's a good situation. I don't want to go there. And it's all, oh, you need to honor your contract. You signed on it. You should, you need to stand by it. I'm like, well, you don't, you didn't say that when, when they cut Ricky Collins after having a thousand yard season and he was due 35 K the next day. No one, you know what I'm saying? When he was forced to retire because because of that, right? No one no one was talking negatively about the team. So that's the that's the type of thing that I feel like. That's that's where it's kind of like a like, you know, what are we doing here, man? Guys are putting their heart, their heart and their soul into this to make a career out of it and do the things that they want to do, right? And they're getting mistreated left and right. But no one no everybody looks at it as a business move when a team does it, but when a player doesn't, then it's it's selfishness. It's you don't want to honor your contract. You don't, you don't, you're not a man. You don't want to stand by your word. Like, like what, what, like, what, what are we doing here? Like, am I a person or what am I, what am I property? Am I an object? Like, what are we doing here? Well, we, uh, we do appreciate your time, Derek. And hopefully this isn't the last bit for you, at least uh, here right. in the CFL. And uh, hopefully we can see maybe Brock comes to his senses and even releases you or trades you off for a seventh round pick or something just to, Hey man, this is get you out there. There's a whole lot of stuff to, to, to make happen now. This this is this, this, now let's see if let's see if me talking to all this stuff is gonna force and force this hand, right? <laughs> I hope so, because nobody deserves to go out that way. So I hope that uh that, that doesn't happen to you. Yeah, man, it is what it is at this point, man. I I've made peace with it. Um I'm in a good place right now, so it's not it's not anything that's gonna be it's gonna be bad to me, right? Everything for me is at this point is is icing on the cake, right? I'm 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 healthy. Um, you know, I got two beautiful kids, got a beautiful wife, new home, man. I'm I'm working, I'm able to make money, man. I feel like I'm smart enough that I can I can make stuff happen for myself. So I'm just honestly, man, I'm just enjoying the ride right now, man. Um, I love to play football again. I love to be able to go out there and do the things that I do and make, you know, bring that entertainment to people that they like to see and be able to help build the brand of the league. But if it's not in the cards for me, then, you know, I'll find other ways to, to, to make that imprint. But appreciate right. you guys, man. I, I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate y'all, you know, lending, lending the platform for me. Um, definitely want to be able to do some stuff with you guys in the future, man. So 
Keep your ear out for your boy, man. Absolutely. Well, I, got, I got ideas. Don't worry. I got ideas. <laughs> okay, perfect. 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 I actually know it's crazy too. Uh uh Labat hit me up the other day too. Said he wanted to do the the O-line show with me. So I think me and Blue are gonna do it together while awesome. we both uh, on the on the hiatus. And I think that's gonna help too because I wanted to bring some type of Canadian perspective to it, especially for O lineman. Because, again, too, I don't want to just highlight just the American guys. I want to highlight everybody, right? So, like I said, I told somebody the other day, I think um, – I don't think Stanley's going to be too happy with me for saying this. That's my boy. But I think I think Revenberg is the best whole lineman in the league right now, hands down. I think that dude deserves a shot in the NFL, to be honest. I don't know if he'll, he'll take it or if he'll get it. But, I mean, he's he's a he's a Brett Jones type to me. Like, that dude's a that dude's a savage, man. I love I love watching film and watching him play. So, um. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at with it, man. I want to give guys like that the opportunity to get the shine that they deserve, to get the credit, the credit and recognition that they deserve, and um, and I want to let people know that I don't despise Canadian football players, man. I think a lot of those guys are really good, right? Dan Clark is one of my best friends. I love the dude to death. I call him Crash Bandicoot because he headbutts everybody till till he till he can't sleep at night. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, man, that's 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 where I'm at with it. But I appreciate your time, guys. I appreciate y'all, man. Y'all have a great, wonderful night. Um, stay safe during the pandemic. Love and peace to, to y'all and y'all family, man. I'll be in touch, all right? All right, same to you. Thanks so much, Derek. No Thanks, problem. Derek. Derek Dennis here on the Piffles podcast, spitting some fire about his situation with the Edmonton Elks and giving us a look at the CFL and some of the insides and outsides. And, guys, it's pretty <laughs> eye-opening. Some of the things that we and we consider ourselves pretty ingrained in the CFL, even we didn't even know was going on. And that's a that's an everyday thing for the for these guys. I'm not kidding, though. I want him for an entire episode just of that one rider season. Like I, I will I'll do a 10 part series. I don't care. I mean, that, that might be, be our best episode ever. Just Derek Dennis talks about the Chris Jones locker room. Well, well, but no, like it's, it's like, I'm just going to say it's garbage, absolute garbage. What's going on in Edmonton and the way they're and Lord knows everyone knows I am not a Sean Lemon fan. And yes, I know I need to keep his name out of my mouth, but <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous how they're treating the veterans out there. And I'm not even a big Kenny Stafford fan. Like, and they cut their rookie, their nominee for rookie of the year. Like, I don't get it. I, I, it's, I think he's right. They they want certain players to fit certain molds, and that's the only people they're, keep, they're keeping. To me, the Vontae Diggs one is the big one. How do you how do you cut the guy who who was like you said the rookie of the year the last time you played? He can't be making a ton of money this season. How how? And he had a bonus too, if I want if I remember correctly. They paid him thirteen thousand dollars already. And to me, Edmonton, and honestly, they're the team to beat in the West for me, as long as everybody's healthy, because that offense is absolutely loaded. That defense got to keep guys like that around. So why they're not doing that, I have no clue, especially when this is a, a realistic chance at them hitting the Grey Cup this year. And we're going to actually, Greg and I are going to argue about that on part two of this episode of the Piffles podcast um, when we uh, go off about uh, who we think is going to finish where in the standings. So stick around for that. I'm just going to sit back with an ice cold Churchill and let you guys go at it. That'll be entertaining enough for me. No, you need I'll, to apologize to the taxi driver. I'll, uh, I'll, yes. have, a, I'll have a couple Churchills before just to uh, make sure we're, <laughs> uh, we're ready to rock. All right. So episode, part two of that episode of this episode is going to be coming out just shortly. So stick around for that. 
This is the Piffles Podcast. Of course, we're brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal Page Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support in making this show possible. Piffles Podcast is a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. We'll see you guys in a little bit. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert. The ghost behind your-